Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today's reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 10. Romans chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 10. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. God bless his word. Stacy, thanks for doing our reading. Would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts to listen to God's word? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we wish you a happy Father's Day. We thank you that you are indeed the perfect father. And though no father on earth measures up to the father you are, we thank you that you have imparted to men traits from you that help us to be good men, to be better men, and those who are fathers to be good fathers. Lord, we pray for those who maybe didn't have a good father relationship on earth and pray that they would experience what it's like to have a beautiful father through you. Lord, as we pray for ourselves, we also pray for our world. We pray for those who are hurting today emotionally, those who are undergoing some physical ailments or surgeries or difficulties. For those who are struggling in other ways, we lift them up to you, Lord, and ask your blessing on them. And Lord, we also rejoice with those who are rejoicing, with those who have had good news, with those who have had babies born or have had marriages who are celebrating life. And Lord, we celebrate with them. And Lord, as we look into your word now, we invite the Holy Spirit to be our teacher, and I invite him to speak through me words that are true and accurate and honor Christ and lead us into a closer relationship to him. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Jeff and Dimitri were not friends, but they were co-workers. They worked together at the University of Laverne at a campus in a suburb outside Athens, Greece. And Jeff was the dean of students. Dimitri was a professor at the school. And one day, Dimitri walks into Jeff's office and looks at him with a stern look on his face and says, I'm dying. My kidneys have failed. And Jeff looked at Dimitri rather stunned and paused for a moment. And then he blurted out, I have two. You can have one of mine. And Dimitri, thinking that Jeff was mocking him, called him a name that I can't repeat in church and stormed out of his office. A few days later, Dimitri, discouraged, depressed, desperate, walked back into Jeff's office and asked him, were you serious? Would you really give me one of your kidneys? And Jeff looked at Dimitri and said, yes, I have two. I'll give you one of mine. That is certainly what the Bible would consider brotherly love. 
Today, as we continue our series, Truth Matters, because truth does matter, we come to a sermon titled, You're Different. And you and I, as believers, should be different. People ought to look at us and go, you're different. Why? And we should be able to say, because we have the love of Jesus in us and through us. Follow along as I read Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And actually, before I read it, I want to mention the reason we read verses 1 and 2 first is because 1 and 2, you have to do 1 and 2 before you can do verse 10. And 1 and 2 tells us to be all in, to tells us to be living sacrifices for Jesus Christ, be totally committed to Him. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that we need to be transformed in our thinking through God rather than being conformed to the world. And when you are transformed by God, when you're all in for Christ, you're going to be different, and people will notice that. And one of the things they'll notice is verse 10. Romans 12.10 says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. In other words, be different. Be different. Now, you can't pick it up in the English, but in the Greek, in just half of this verse, the idea of love is mentioned three times in the Greek. It doesn't come across in English, so briefly I want to show you what it says in Greek when it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Love is in there three times. You have the Greek word, it's on the screen there, philostogos. And philostogos comes from a compound of Greek words. It comes from philos and storge. And philos has the idea of beloved or friend, and storge has the idea of family, affection, or love as well. And so you have these two words that mean love put together into one word that we've translated as devoted, but it's actually saying love, love. <laughs> and then as we go on, the verse says something about brotherly love, and if you've ever been to Pennsylvania, you'll recognize the city, Philadelphia, pronounced in Greek, Philadelphia, comes from the word philos, which means love, and aldophos, which means brother. And you're going, well, why all this Greek? Well, the point is, in this one verse, we have a lot of love going on. And that means that in the church, we should have a lot of love going on. Love should be a priority. When I grew up, there were songs like, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And that's true. Everyone wants to be loved. All of us are craving love. We celebrate Father's Day because we are craving the love of a father. And we want to honor that. So once Dimitri realized that Jeff was serious about giving him a kidney, there was something that changed in their relationship. Jeff was a Protestant Christian, Dimitri a Orthodox Christian, and they discovered they had brotherly love between them even though they had been co-workers and hadn't even been friends before. And then Jeff had to undergo some medical tests to see if he was compatible, if, if he could actually donate his kidney, if Dimitri's body would accept the kidney. And then Jeff had to go through some psychological testing. By law, he had to go meet with a psychiatrist because they thought he was crazy. <laughs> Donated a kidney, not to a relative, but to a co-worker. And then he had to meet with the police to make sure that he wasn't being coerced, forced, or bribed to give his kidney. Everybody goes, this is so different. This is so unusual to have this kind of love. 
I was Jeff's pastor and his friend, and I remember as Jeff was on the gurney being wheeled into the OR to have his kidney removed, we stopped in the hallway, and I laid my hands on him, and I prayed for him, and I realized this prayer was different than any other prayer I'd ever prayed for someone going into surgery. Everyone else, I'm praying that they would get better because of the surgery. And this time, I'm praying for the other person to get better because of Jeff's surgery, because Jeff is going to be worse off after the surgery than he was before the surgery. He had to have one less kidney. That is love. Jeff was different, and it was obvious. And that is brotherly love. Now, I realize it's Father's Day, so happy Father's Day, fathers. <laughs> a father's love is beautiful. It's a wonderful thing. A father's love helps a family to function well. God designed the family that way. God expects fathers to be part of the family. They're essential to the family. But not everyone in this room is a father. But everyone in this room is a brother or a sister in Christ, if you know Jesus. So we may not all have a father's love for someone, but we all should have a brother love, a sister love for other people. And it says you should be devoted to that as a Christian. If you're all in with Christ, you will be devoted to loving the people around you. And maybe it will start, like Pastor Pete suggested, you at least say hi to some people around you at church. Wow, that sounds like I'm trying to make you feel guilty. I guess I am. <laughs> Be devoted to one another. Well, Jeff and Dimitri became close friends. The couples started doing vacations together after the surgery, which went successfully, by the way. There was something beautiful about their relationship because of this love. Which brings me to the first of two lessons for us this morning. If you're taking notes there's some outlines by the door. You're welcome to jump up and grab one if you didn't get one when you came in. And if you're watching online, they're available on our website. But number one there, look at your notes. You become more beautiful. And who doesn't want that? You become more beautiful when you love other people. When you love other people. Because love truly is a beautiful thing. And when you show love, you look more beautiful. A lot of beauty treatments in the world, and I'm not opposed to beauty treatments. Some of them are inexpensive. Some are expensive. Some are, well, they're all temporary. <laughs> but the beauty treatment that's permanent is the one that God describes for us, and that's the one that involves love. And I don't ever thought about it, but Jesus died to make you beautiful. As you read in Ephesians 5, we, we talk about a lot of things in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 27, and, and there are a lot of good things in there, but I think we can miss that one of the reasons that Jesus died for us is to make us beautiful. Ephesians 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. How should husbands love their wives? Here's how. Just as Christ also loved the church. And the church is his bride, of course. He loved his bride. And what did he do when he loved his bride? He gave himself up for her. Why did he do that? Why did he die for his bride? That he might sanctify her. That means set her apart. Having cleansed her, 
So she had a good bath by the washing of water with the word. Why? That he might present to himself as the groom, the church, his bride, in all her glory, having, and here's the beautiful part, no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, no defect, but that she should be holy and blameless. Jesus died so he could have a beautiful bride. And what man doesn't want a beautiful bride? Throughout the 2,000-year history of the bride, the church, the bride sometimes has had periods of radiant beauty and has had other periods of time of ghastly ugliness. Jesus' bride is credited um, for in the 4th century of creating the very first welfare system for the poor in the Roman Empire. Roman Empire had no way of taking care of the poor. They didn't take care of the poor. So the church stepped in, and they created a welfare center for the poor as well as a public hospital in Kayseri, Turkey, what we call Kayseri, uh, Turkey, central Turkey. And the wealthy people in the Roman Empire had medical treatment, but poor people had no way to get medical treatment, and it was the bride of Christ who beautifully loved others and created a way to take care of the poor. As I mentioned last week, upwards of 30% of the Roman Empire consisted of slaves, people who were slaves. And it was in the 4th century again, a Christian, a church father by the name of Gregory of Nyssa, he was a Cappadocian father. Cappadocia is, in, again, in Turkey, central Turkey. He wrote these words, standing up against slavery. He said, whenever a human being is for sale, therefore, nothing less than the owner of the earth, meaning God, nothing less than the owner of the earth is led into the sale room. You're enslaving God when you enslave a man. You're, you're selling God when you're selling a human being. And then in the 1800s, what brought about the end of slavery in the Western world was the movement of the Bride of Christ. She was beautiful. We have in the 1800s an outspoken Christian by the name of William Wilberforce who was in Britain, who led the abolitionist movement in Britain. Then we had two Christians in America, in the U.S. of A. We have Frederick Douglass and William Lloyd Garrison who led the abolition movement. And that's why we don't have slavery today in America and in the West, in Britain, because of the church, the bride. Yes, non-Christians helped them, but it was led by the bride. Beautiful. But the bride of Christ also has periods of ugly ghastliness. We're known for the Crusades and the Inquisition, anti-Semitism. We're known for our hatred for people who we don't agree with like the LGBTQ community. And we saw last week that we don't have to love people's views, but we have to love people. The church recently is known for anti-this and anti-that. We're known for being ugly and angry, not for being beautiful because we're loving. And we're told here, be devoted to one another in love. And you become more beautiful when you love other people. And, of course, the opposite is true as well. Now, I realize this verse is specifically talking about us loving other Christians, this particular verse. 
But other verses tell us to show love toward others. Jesus told us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verse 27, he says, I say to you who hear, isn't it interesting? Not everybody who hears. I say to you who are listening, love your enemies. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. And if you listen to Jesus' words, you will be beautiful. The second half of Romans 12.10 then goes on to say this. Give preference to one another in honor. Give preference to one another in honor. Anticipating that you and I might need some specifics on how to love other people, verses 10 to 21 give us some specifics on how to love people. And the second half of this verse gives us a very clear specific, give preference to one another in honor. Again, we have the Greek here to look at. And those two words, give preference in English, come from one Greek word, proegeomai. And proegeomai is only used here in the New Testament. It's the only place, but it means to lead or go before to lead or go before. And so we have a number of different translations, English translations, to help us to understand this verse about giving preference to one another in honor. One translation says this. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. No, I'll get it. No, I'll get it. No, you go first. You go first. I'll get it. I'll pay for it. You pay for it. You know. And then another verse says, compete with each other in giving mutual respect. Another translation, compete with each other in giving mutual respect respect. And then maybe my favorite, the message, which is a paraphrase, puts practice playing second fiddle. (laughs) That kind of says it all. Practice playing second fiddle. That's one way that you show people you love them. That's how you're different. You play second fiddle. Which brings us to number two there on your outline. The second thing we want to note here is treat others like you would treat Jesus. Treat others like you would treat Jesus. If you want to honor other people, The problem usually is we really don't think they deserve honor more than us. Our human nature makes us feel like we actually are better than that person, or we deserve this more than that other person, or this person doesn't deserve it, or they didn't try hard enough, or they're not worthy. So the late German theologian, Karl Barth, gives us a helpful suggestion. He says, since Christ is mysteriously in every Christian... You should treat people like you would treat Jesus Christ. When you look at them, realize that Christ is in them. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is speaking about what's going to happen after that seven-year tribulation period on earth that is really hell on earth. And the purpose of that is to get the Jewish nation to repent and call Jesus back. And they do that, and they repent, and they call Jesus back, and he returns, and he sets up a judgment for people who are on the earth at the end of the tribulation, and he's going to decide which one's going to the millennial kingdom, the kingdom of Christ, to reign with him. And he judges them. And notice what he says, and this is the sheep and goats judgment. And in Matthew 25, 40, it says, And the king, that's Jesus, has come back to reign on earth, will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers, these Christians, these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. So Jesus says the way you treat other people is the way you're really treating Jesus Christ. Now, in this context, of course, he's talking about how believers treat other believers, 
And that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 12. But we know that God wants us to love unbelievers as well. Jesus has told us that we are to love those who hate us. And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, Genesis 9, 6, we're told that everyone is created in the image of God, and how we treat people is really how we're treating God. Genesis 9, 6 says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. And so, Early on, God's saying you can't murder someone, you shouldn't murder someone because they're in the image of God. To murder a person is, in a way, a form of theocide. It's a way of trying to kill God because everyone is in the image of God. So if you and I start looking at people and realizing that that unbeliever is in the image of God, that Christian has Christ in them, it should change the way we treat them because we are mistreating deity when we mistreat a man or a woman or a child who's made in their image. Treat others like you would treat Jesus. Think about that. Treat others like you would treat Jesus. I don't know what motivated Jeff to give his kidney, but he did. And he certainly treated Dimitri like he would treat Jesus. If Jesus needed your kidney, wouldn't you give it to Jesus? The donation of a kidney to a non-family member had never occurred in the nation of Greece. It was so different. It was so unusual. People would give kidneys to a family member, but to a coworker, that was unheard of. So Jeff and Dimitri were invited to be on national television in Greece for a talk show to find out why this man is so different and why this foreigner, this American, would give his kidney to a Greek. Because Jeff was different. He was devoted with brotherly love towards someone else. So what about you? You probably won't ever make national news for doing something loving. But someday in heaven, what you do on earth will be exposed. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Or to put it another way, be beautiful to one another. Would you pray with me? I'd like to invite you to bow your heads, even if you're watching us online. Shake in a private moment. And with your heads bowed, I'd like to ask you, do you have Christ in you? He comes in by invitation. If you recognize that you have sinned, you've displeased God, if you recognize you don't deserve heaven, if you understand and believe that Jesus died for your sins, he rose from the grave, that he's offering you eternal life as a gift, and that's a gift you want, why not? right now in this moment, quietly in your heart, cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I believe, save me. And he will. Lord, these words are simple, but to carry them out is difficult. Nigh, it's impossible without you. And so we pray, Lord, that you'd fill us with your spirit so we can be beautiful, the beautiful bride of Christ, that we can treat others like we would treat you yourself, Jesus. 
Fill us with your love, we pray. In Jesus' loving name we ask. Amen.